Well, this ain't a good trade for the Pacers. It's a great trade. Okay. It's a great trade, not even a good trade. I love what they're doing in Indiana. They're like, hey, you know what? Let's go for it. You're only afraid of the Boston Celtics. You're not afraid of the Bucks. We own the Bucks. We beat them pretty much every time we played them this year. The Sixers, I think they need another piece. We only got to beat the Boston Celtics. If we got a chance to get an all-star, an all-star. What is up, Pacers Nation? You are listening to the Pacers Post Up, brought to you by the brothers of basketball, Brad and Ryan. Head all-star, head all-star, says Sir Charles Barkley, and a two-time All-NBA power forward. Pascal Siakam is in. Bruce Brown, Jordan Awara out, plus a couple of future first-round draft picks. Has Kevin Pritchard really done it again? My goodness. We are breaking it all down here over the next hour or so, so stay tuned. We're talking the trade, the fit, the future. What does this mean for this season and beyond? It's all coming at you right here on the Pacers Post-Up. All right, here we are getting ready to recap one of the more exciting days in uh, recent memory here for the Pacers, obviously in the midst of a six-game Road trip, we've got a game tonight in Portland, excuse me, correction, in Sacramento tonight, Portland tomorrow, Um, but that is not the news. The news of the day is a, I'm going to call it blockbuster trade for the Indiana Pacers acquiring Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. I'm sure everybody's, if you're a Pacers fan, you're already aware of it, but we're going to kind of break it down, talk about it from all angles, put it in context uh, historically, and, and just kind of get into the little details on I'll say it, why I love this move. I think why Ryan is a big fan of this move and what this means for the Pacers now going into the next couple of years as the Tyrese Halliburton extension kicks in. Um, and yeah, we've got a game tonight in Sacramento. So Ryan, where do you want to start? You know, you could start pretty much anywhere on this. Uh, it's about as, uh, it's one of the more exciting trades probably we've had, uh, at least in my lifetime with the Pacers. Um, but I think we start honestly just right at the top, uh, of the organization and give KP maybe his flowers uh, yet again as he uh, has quite the trade resume that continues now and has just found a way to continue to turn, you know, what some assets might be depreciated or devalued and turn them into something that hopefully is going to be fun. So I'd kind of just like to tip the cap and we can kind of just talk about, you know, what we gave up, what we, you know, what we got in return. I mean, obviously pretty much all we got was uh, Siakam in a second rounder, but yeah, I, I got to say, KP has kind of done it again for us, found a new way uh, or found a guy to bring into this organization. So what are your thoughts with KP? Well, I think it's 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 poignant and fitting to start there because I saw a, uh, a little bit of a graphic last night uh, on the Bleacher Report feed. Somebody was updating the Paul George trade tree. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just find it hilariously ironic and, like I said, fitting that – here we are, you know, years removed, uh, many ups and downs removed from the PG era, and uh, that that second first round pick in the 2024 draft, so this June's draft, uh, is a byproduct of some of the outfall from the PG trade. Not directly, um, but but we are still seeing, as you said, you know, the the acquisition of assets that that Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan to a, to a second degree have been able to acquire over the last couple of years, um, seemingly pay off in a way that I, I don't remember a trade really feeling quite like this one, um, where the player is, is so established. Um, you know, we were, we're talking about somebody and, and age is going to be something that gets talked about now, Next year, and certainly when history has its say, uh, you know, evaluating this trade three, four, five years down the road, Pascal Siakam's age is going to be a hot button topic. But we haven't gotten an established player like this to come to Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, wherever you want to call it, um, via trade, via free agency, what have you. I think that this is um, the first time I've felt like, okay, all NBA level talent, all star level talent. He's still in his prime. I, I know the age is going to be a thing, but um, he's played less seasons in the NBA than Miles Turner has. Yep. So just to put that in perspective, from you know uh, how much wear and tear is on this guy's body, 
Um, I don't think a 29-year-old NBA player is old. No, it's not Tyrese Halliburton's timeline. But if history has told us anything, what are you waiting? You're, you're waiting for four or five years down the road? I, I mean, you've we've got a team that is, you know, everybody's going to sit here and talk and say, well, this doesn't vault them above Milwaukee or above Boston or, or Philadelphia. Okay, f- fair enough. Yep. But we're 4-1 and one against the Bucks. I think we've split the season series with the Celtics, if I'm not mistaken. We had the blowout loss, the win in the in-season tournament, and then split the home-and-home deal a couple weeks ago. So, And we've got an in-season tournament win on the road against Philadelphia, and we lost one two days prior to that in-season tournament win. So I guess my point is we've got a team that is on the rise, and you've got a player that is playing at a historic level now yep. forget that his contract kicks in and we got another five years or what i don't buy into any of that shit to be honest with you because if tyrese halliburton wants out of indianapolis next year you better believe he's getting out of indianapolis yep. so i'm not banking on some you know down the road blah 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 pascal siakam is an all nba player and he's a guy that seemingly fits and i think that's probably the best place to start so i i, I Tip of the cap to Ke- to Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan. I think it's you know we're giving up two assets. I, I, actually, before we get into the Siakam, I, I want to talk about this, and I, I know I've gone off on a tangent. The picks. Everybody's freaking out about the picks. We have two first rounders in Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard that can't get on the floor. Yep. So, what are two draft picks next year going to do? Uh, truthfully, not much. I'm with you. Shepard's not getting minutes. Jarris isn't getting minutes. And if you look at it, too, two of them are next year. So by June of next year, we'll have only gotten rid of really one asset of the future beyond that. So, Point being, what we've given up in this trade is two first-rounders from this June draft that if we bring in more young guys, all it's going to do is contribute to the logjam today. So you're you're basically unloading a contract in Bruce Brown, who, let's face reality, has been fine for us this year, yep. but was not worth a $22 million price tag in, in, ter- in terms of the team option this summer. Mm-hmm. Jordan Nawara, who, again, has shown flashes here and there, nothing, no disrespect to the guy, but he can't get on the floor. We can't even play the rookies we have, so what are you, you're going to add more late first round draft picks this summer to 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 fill a, a young talent log jam. Really what we're talking about here is a first rounder in 2026. That's the only future asset that we're really um you know giving away here, so to speak. And again, I go back to all NBA level player, somebody that yeah, could you have taken the swing in free agency? Sure, but your odds of and this all, all this hinges on the fact that Siakam resigns with us. Yeah, this right. entire podcast, we're in the assumption that he will be a long-term pacer. If, right. uh, if he ends up going somewhere else, which all reporting shows, I think he's very eager to sign with us in the summer. So I think on all fronts, we can feel pretty good there. But yes, uh, this will basically all be under the assumption he returns. If he does not, obviously, everything we say is disregarded. Yeah, this is a terrible trade. It's a terrible trade. If you if you don't sign him, it's a terrible trade. And I think, you know, Ryan and I, before we jumped on here, kind of exchanged some texts, um, you know, about the contract. Yep. This is somebody you're going to have to pay max money. Yep, it's, I, it's looking that way. I, I just don't see any way around it. And the reality is, and why I'm so bullish on the trade, Indianapolis is not attracting this caliber of player for anything below the max. Yeah. You're you're not getting a hometown discount or a I want to go play in LA or I want to go play in Miami or whatever. I've got a sponsorship deal. It's it's Indianapolis. So when 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 you're going to try and lure guys here, there's a reason that David West coming off of a knee injury in his age 31 season is the franchise's best free agent signing yeah. in its history. Literally. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, Ryan made a good point that we're going to, you know, there's going to be those fans that say, Oh my God, he's not worth it. And this, that, and the other, and, and, and f- you, you're entitled to your opinion, but we'll see how the rest of this pl- season plays out. We should sign this guy to the dotted line tomorrow. If we could, um, I know he wants to wait, but, but this is this is the right move for a, for a number of reasons, and and I guess we can kind of get into the fit and what the rest of the season well, looks like. Well, I actually like. wanted yeah. to even comment one more thing. There's 
a lot of people out there are kind of saying, like, why didn't we just wait till free agency to go after to get this guy? Because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And a couple notes on there. One, and we can even look back at Paul George. I don't think it's a bad thing in the NBA if a guy is on an expiring deal and then kind of tells the team and allows teams to get assets. It's, it's especially for small markets. We saw this literally with PG. If a guy just leaves in free agency, you lose them for nothing. We were literally just talking about the PG tree or the Paul George tree earlier and all that we've gotten from it. So Siakam's in the same boat, and the reason you go get him is, again, the exact same thing that happened to Paul George. We heard he wanted to go to L.A. That was all the rumors. OKC took a chance on him and ended up signing a deal. Now, obviously, that went south a couple years later, but it's kind of all in that mantra. So when you look at it and then what we give up, we've talked about Bruce, which, you know, was a good player, but, you know, we're obviously getting an upgrade in Noir, and then a couple of picks, which I know, I mean, we give KP his flowers earlier, but if you look over his first-round draft picks, it's not quite the same list that his uh, trades have done yeah, for us. You're so. getting Holiday, Goga, Leaf. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Ijax, and I love Ijax, but it's not like we're hitting dingers. No, you know? and we probably have his best draft picks, or at least finger-crossed hoped, already in the building. So yeah. there's no need, as we've already kind of reiterated. So I just kind of wanted to touch on that. And also, and this has been reported as well, if we wanted to sign him in free agency outright, we would have still had to give up more players, actually, in order to make the contract work. There's a lot you can get into that, but... It was smart to go after him now. He seems eager. He seems happy. Get him in the building. Plus, if really, if you're just looking at a couple first-round picks, it's going to be way more fun. You know, I we can talk about expectations, but you know, I'm now thinking, you know, first-round playoff win, possibly, kind of things like that. You know, which will make it a lot more fun this year. And then, I mean, just continue to build the reps between those two is is going to be nice. So, I think it was the right time to strike. I don't think this is, you know, people out there three first for rental. That's obviously not what that this is. So, uh, I'm pretty excited. And now, sorry, we can no, get into the fit. you're fine. And 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 yeah, this is not intended to be three picks for a rental. I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty phenomenal that we actually were able to pull this deal off without getting rid of Walker or Matherin or, you know, and you talk about Bruce Brown and he's been a fine player, but his skill set is really replicated by Nemhard at a fraction of the price and, you know, somebody that we're going to be able to hopefully keep in the building. Um, and, and I kind of want to talk about, you know, it's, uh, well, a couple of things here just to, to make sure we touch on all this, the, the fit certainly with Siakam, how he, you know, how he stacks up against, any alternative that that is even remotely realistic for us, because I think you always have to weigh this through the lens of okay, if not Siakam, where else were we going to turn? Was there another free agent? Was there somebody else that you realistically thought we could trade for? Because I'm I'm not really sold on either of those paths. Um, and and you know I. I I'd like to talk about it in the context of OGN and OB too, because he just got traded. This is somebody that's kind of been talked about in this same, you know, rumor mill over the last couple of months. And then what do they do with the lineups? Because I, I I've heard a lot of different things about, okay, does this mean, you know, Jalen Smith to the bench, Siakam at the four, Neesmith at the three, and yep. is it Buddy? Is it Matherin? Is it Nemhard? Mm. Is it, you know, is there, do, do we play Siakam at the three? I, I'm not a fan of that, but all those different things. So I guess, you know, Ryan, we'll start. We'll start with the fit and yep. and what we what we know about Siakam or what we think we know. What are you most excited about from what you've heard, what you've seen, what you know about him as a player and how he's going to fit into what, what what we're doing here this year? I can say just as a fan, excitement obviously on the offensive end is you know the glove fit he brings just in terms of what he adds is kind of that you know, mid-post kind of roamer who's also a ball hitter, a facilitator. But the real key fit to me is really a fit on that defensive end as well. And that's kind of where I'd like to start, actually. It's just, you know, we've had, you know, a thousand conversations, every Pacer fan. We're missing a large wing, and there's just not a lot out there. And now you get a 6'8", 6'9", 230, 7'3", wingspan guy who's going to, I think, pair great with Miles Turner, maybe one of the first trades since Ty- or other than Tyrese trade that really – helps bring out some Miles Turner. So it's one of those things where I was just kind of looking in my head, all right, I think we've got, we'll talk lineups maybe, but I think there's four starters between Halliburton, Neesmith, uh, Siakam, and then Turner. Those are probably your four you can lock in. So if you look at the wing position, which is where we have struggled with the Tatums, the Bridges, the LeBrons, the Giannis's, those guys, the bigger wings, 
Now we have two guys, I think, on our roster that we can throw at them that are at least going to bring something to the table between Neesmith and Siakam. And I, where I think Neesmith is more of that kind of in your grill, he's real close to you, real physical defender, which we want. Siakam kind of brings a different style. He's a little bit, he's obviously longer, a yeah. little bigger. He yeah. plays, one of the words I've heard is kind of more of a conservative defense, but not in a bad way. He's very good at where to be, placement, switching, versatility. So when we go up against teams like the Celtics, where they've got Tatum and Brown, and where we're going, all right, we can put Neesmith on one of them, and then we throw him Buddy, or we throw him OB. Right. I mean, who are you putting on there? Now it's like, yeah. okay, we're going into that, you know, take your pick. You're putting Siakam on one and Brown on the other, and you can rotate him and still throw other guys. But now you've got two guys who fit the mold of wings that can defend, which instantly, even if Siakam is just an average defender and there's, you know, over his career this year, it sounds like he's kind of taking one of those maybe off years on defense as the Raptors kind of have not been as, as solid as they'd hoped. So yeah. we'll can talk about that. But I am definitely, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, now we can throw two guys with length on defense at the wings that have been routinely crushing us. Yeah, I, 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 I love the whole take because I think that's exactly what this what this is and why the fit is not only – you know, there have been some stats thrown out there about his transition, you know, field goal percentage and how, you know, how he stacks up in the league, top 10 player in transition on a couple of different metrics. And and I think offensively, you know, you know, I'll get to the defense in a second, but I think offensively you're talking about a guy that can step in day one and alleviate Tyrese Halliburton of always having to be the ball dominant player. Tyrese, you know, if, if he's having an off night or in foul trouble or they're double teaming him, whatever, Siakam, Siakam is a guy that you can give the ball to. He can handle the rock. He can get his own bucket. He can create. He's he's a, you know, basically four and a half uh, assist, four and a half, five assist guy per night and has been for the last five years. So this is not somebody that's just pounding the rock and, and going and getting buckets. He's a He's a very versatile player, and I think that the versatility is what you're talking about on, on the defensive end as well. You know, I, I've I've spent some time reading a little bit over the last 24 hours, um, just from the the Raptors side of things, and and kind of getting into some of their beat writers and what has been said about him mm. over the last couple years, and they've they've really kind of positioned him as the guy that has allowed them to do a lot of different things defensively yep. because he can. Because he can, they they say, switch one through five. But as I dug in a little deeper, it's really more of a comfort with that two to four. Yeah, you know, he's not necessarily going to stay in front of your quickest guards. You know, your Steph Curry's, your Kyrie's, whatever. Um, but but let's look at it for what it is today. Our challenge is going to be the players you said, the Giannis's, the Chris Middleton's, the Jason Tatum's, the Jalen Brown's. And I think having a Neesmith and a Siakam that can you can throw different bodies at them, you can make switches when you have to switch. I think what you said and, and what I heard a lot was that Siakam's length allows him yep. to recover better yep. against some of these bigger wings where when a Neesmith, if he did get beat off the dribble, he was really putting a lot on Turner or that backside help to be able to come over um you know because because the, the essentially the Pacers are playing a little bit more of an aggressive on-ball defense we're running people off the three-point line we've made a commitment to say you're not going to shoot the three well on our team mm -hmm. and so it puts a lot of onus on the backside help or the switch defender or what it what have you and I think the fact that Siakam can come in right away and give us the thing that we didn't have which was a combination of stay in front of your man and length and size yep. because it was either you had Neesmith or Nemhard or Brown, which was kind of your let's stay in front of them. Or it was Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, Obi Turner. That was more of the length, but they couldn't stay in front of anybody. Yep. And, and so that's where, that's where I think the biggest fit is and what has me excited, you know, and, and people can say, Oh, he's, you know, listen, we hear it all the time. Defense is an effort thing. You're playing for a losing team that's blowing up the roster, that you're constantly in trade talks, et cetera. I'm not surprised to hear that maybe he was taking a few possessions off on that end of the floor. Yeah. I don't love it, but it's an infectious thing. You get him in the locker room with with our team that you can't knock their energy. Um, I, I'm really excited about that, uh, that part of it. So Yeah, there's a couple things. One on the effort part. 
if I'm going to try to make an excuse for the guy, he has since basically like 2020 been pretty much up there every year in total minutes played. I think in like 20, the 2022, 2023 season, he was at like 36 minutes a game and second in total minutes played that season. So he has played a lot of minutes. And if, uh, if I was getting tired playing a lot of minutes, I think I'd know where I'd slack myself on which end I would choose. So maybe that plays into a little bit. I would not expect that minute load on our team. Tyrese now right now leads us with 33, and then Bruce was second, who's now out, and Miles at 29. So we only have one player over 30 minutes, and he's probably going to slide into that 30 to 32 minutes would be my guess. But the other thing I think you really liked on the defensive end that I am particularly most excited about is that second-side help defender. Anytime Miles is pulled out or we don't have Miles on the floor, maybe Jackson, whoever's playing that big who's rim protector, when we get pulled out, we often don't have any sort of force at that four position to help. Now, Jalen starting has helped a little bit, but let's just say Buddy on the weak side gets beat. Now Siakam is the one pulling in, which is just so much more of a threat. I mean, even if it results in a kickout, that's not a good news that somebody's getting beat, but we know our point of attack defense is a little weak at times. So it's so great to have him and Miles, two, I mean, if you're talking reaches, Siakam's a seven-foot reach, so two kind of seven-foot length guys who can kind of both mobile and move, and then the best part about Siakam is he can close out, too. Even if he's pulled in, He's so long, and Kaylin Cooper had a great thing where she said he moves like a piece of paper would. Like, he kind of just flows. He's got, like, really long, wide lateral steps. So he can get back, reach his hand up, play defense. So I think that's an awesome area uh, to see and just something literally we have not had due to lack of physical size. So that will be uh, awesome to see. Seven and a half rebounds over the last five years. Yep. That's his average. And we're 29th in the league right now in rebounding. Yep. So, I mean, that's the other piece of this that, you know, you've got somebody that I, I was just watching some quick highlights. I literally was looking up defensive highlights. He he boxes out, which I know just sounds like, you know, <laughs> what everybody should be do, doing, yep. but it doesn't happen, particularly on this team. So yep. that, that to me is something that you're kind of, uh, again, you're kind of putting in somebody that I see as almost this Swiss Army knife player that just, I'm not saying he's the savior, but he fills a lot of needs and he's an upgrade in a lot of ways because we were trying to use multiple guys to fill those needs. It was like, okay, we need some backside help and some rebounding and length, so let's put in Jalen Smith. Mm. Or, oh, we need you know some lateral quickness and some on-ball defense and shooting. Let's bring in you know, a, a, a Neesmith, or we're going to start, we're going to go small and have Brown and Nemhard and Neesmith or whatever it is. So, you know, Obi Toppin struggled to stay in front of anybody. Um, and, and Obi plays a different game. Obi's above the rim and, and has, you know, obviously improved the three point shot tremendously, tremendously this year. Yep. Um, Siakam, I don't get the sense is an above the rim guy. He's very crafty. He's got a good handle, uh, for his size and, very efficient scorer. I think he's shooting over 50% from the field this year. Um, and I know the three-point numbers are down, but this was another thing that, you know, reading some of the Raptors, you know, reporting over the last couple of years, he's not had any floor spacing. Um, and 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 I think that's going to be something that you will see him improve. This was on the J.J. Redick uh, podcast yesterday, but the last 20 games, he's shooting something like 44% from yep. three, 50% from the corners. Um, you know, I, I watch him and I don't see somebody that can't shoot. Um, I, I think, I think we'll see that percentage if, even if it settles in at a 34, 35, that's going to be good enough. Um, and, and I think we get so lost in, oh my God, he's got to be able to shoot the three. We got to got a lot. We have a lot of guys that can shoot right now. And I think being able to have somebody that can take the ball and create for themselves without relying on Tyrese is the biggest benefit of, yep. of all, r- r- quite frankly, because we just haven't had that. Yeah. Uh, on that front, for sure, on the shooting, Siakam is a shooting threat in this league. If you go ask the players and Siakam comes down, first play of the game, gets an open three and hits it, they are not going to just leave him open. That's not how the NBA functions, just kind of as Miles Turner's had years where he fluctuates from that 30 to 35%, and teams still honor it because if he gets going, he changes the game. So yeah. it's one of those things That's where a great point. he yeah. is not probably going to be our knockdown shooter, but I mean, you look at our team, and half of them all are having career years from deep. When you look at 
Obi, Miles. I mean, basically just since Tyrese Neesmith. came around, yeah. Neesmith, Jalen Smith, all these guys improved their numbers. Now Bruce was a little bit of an outlier on that. But it comes and goes you know, with certain players. But I see no reason why shooting's truly going to be an issue. I don't think he'll need to put up a ton of attempts. I think truly that'll be the rest. His will be kind of using that floor that middle to kind of navigate, and especially when Tyrese gets blitzed, which we know teams have started doing really more since the Lakers yep. started us doing in the in-season tournament. Having a large target in the middle that can then facilitate two is just going to work wonders. You, it will make it so much harder to blitz him because Tyrese will find him, and then he'll make the right read because that's literally where he loves to play is right in kind of in the middle of that mid post. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be really exciting to see how this plays out. I, I just think I think Siakam is a guy that listen he doesn't get the um, wow factor love from the media like a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or Jimmy Butler or you you name it. But I you know I shared some stats with you prior to you know, us jumping on here. And I mean, this is a guy that if you, if you just, and I know this is an oversimplification, I, I'm, I'll, I'll preface all this by saying that, but if you just look at, you know, standard splits, points, rebounds, assist over the last five seasons, this is a player that is not, you can't statistically tell a big difference between him, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown. I mean, it's 23-6 and 5, 24-6 and 4, 23-7 and 5. I mean, these are the third one being Siakam. They're all right. He's right in the same boat. So you're getting that caliber of player. Mind you, he's younger than Kawhi, PG, or Butler. Yep. Um, so if you want to talk age. Better injury history, too. Yeah, I mean, he played 71 games last year, I think. And, and so... It's this is something where you're getting Indiana, you're getting that level of player. I think if I think if the name was different and I fed you the same stat lines and it was a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George, yeah. everybody would be going, "Oh my God, you know, we got the second superstar." I just don't mm-hmm. think Siakam is looked at necessarily like that because he he doesn't play above the rim, he doesn't have the flashy three point highlights, but this is a guy that is really good at a lot of things and. F- as I've said, fills a lot of voids in this current Pacers team. And that's what I I think we should be paying more attention to right now. Yeah, I think I texted you and said, now with him, the roster makes sense because everybody kind of shifts into the position they're playing. And if we want to kind of go into that, we can kind of start talking lineups maybe. So I kind of said earlier, I'll say it again, I think we're in agreements that Ty, Neesmith, Siakam, and Turner are now four for-sure starters probably going into the playoffs. 100%. Yeah. You, 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 there's no reason to adjust from that lineup, in no, my opinion. I would agree. So, I will ask you this. There's pretty much, for the third starter, I will also preference this. People love to look, talk about starters. I was looking earlier at our like fourth quarter minutes because I'm more interested truly in who's closing probably than I am even who's starting. For sure. But with Rick, the truth is between it's going to be Nemhard, Buddy, or Mather, and we can assume between those three, whoever gets the starting nod, whoever's hot will always finish. That is Rick's MO. If Buddy's clipping, he'll be in there. If Mathern is having his game, he'll be in there. If they need defense, they'll throw Nemhard. So yep. it really doesn't truly matter who gets the spot. With that said, it's always fun to talk about. So, Brad, if it was your choice, who are you starting? Well, this is I'm going to preface this by saying – I don't necessarily think we are done making deals over the next couple oh, of weeks. Very true. So, very true. And, and very I think we, true. I think we need to talk about that after we talk about lineups. But if it's me, um, I, I'm starting Buddy Heald, uh, okay. and and I think, I think the reason that you start Buddy is well, the reason that you weren't starting Buddy really was defense. Yep. Um, and and so now you're getting a what we've just talked about, this versatile defender that's going to be able to help on the backside and um, cover, you know, maybe some, some, some ales. I also think Buddy's defense has improved. Um, yep. I, I think in the last, you he gets know, a bad rap. He, yeah. he, he plays out there. He's, he's more physical than he gets. He's still a little slow, you know, working his screen navigation, but yeah. he's better than when we traded for him, what we were being told. Let's put he, it he's, he's definitely going to be, Probably your worst defender on the floor. Even though Tyrese isn't a great defender, I think he get, he's a little more rangy, gets his hand in passing lanes a little better than Buddy. Buddy doesn't move his feet super well, but the reality is, and and the the reason that you that I would start Buddy is you know what he does. He's a threat night in and night out from three-point range. He's going to space the floor, and if you can get him hot or if he can feed off of Siakam dribble drive and a kick out or something like that, that's the perfect player to me to put in that lineup. It's not that I don't love Nemhard, but the 
the big draw to Nemhard was starting because of defense and starting because he takes some of the play. Uh, yeah. play yeah, he can he can handle the ball. It's a second ball handler, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you have that in Siakam. He's so so you don't really need his skill set in the first unit as much. Yeah. And and Matherin's a guy that is is getting better at that catch and shoot. He's getting better on the defensive end, certainly as a playmaker. But I like him having the opportunity to kind of be the alpha in the second unit yep. um, and and continue to, to to have a little bit of a higher usage rate and be a little bit more ball dominant because I think that's where he thrives. Mm-hmm. So I would let him do that in the second unit, particularly to start games. And I think you're I think it I think by doing this, you're spreading out some of you know, if you, I guess, if you were to start Benedict uh, or Nemhard, well, now you're kind of creating, you know, the op- I guess now it's it's Buddy and it's TJ and some others on the bench, Obi or whoever gets that spot that really is going to struggle defensively. So I think you're you're kind of balancing out some of the units, and I get it. It's not like we're swapping five for five. Yeah. You know, Rick's going to manage that, Jenny's going to manage that, and and you know the rest of the staff. But but I go Buddy. Yep. Barring that he's not traded in the next two weeks, and and we'll talk about that, but I think he's the best fit today. I wish he was shooting a little better, but but yep. that's how I go. Where where are you? Where are you at with that? So I love this. I think everybody, and there's really no wrong answer to this. No, truthfully, no. I think whoever they go with is fine. You know, I do. I want to preference this and probably say I hope one day this is Matherin still. I think that's Matherin's job. We hope to either be the two three at some point. With yep. that said, I love him coming off the bench right now. Specifically, him and TJ McConnell still have always kind of had this symmetry that's worked, especially the way TJ is just hunting for the pass and Matherin is hunting for the bucket. So it kind of complements each other. So we'll agree there. I am on the Nemhard train. Okay. I would love just to see, because I think I think the Nemhard lineup is our best defensive lineup that includes Tyrese. I say that yeah. because every lineup that's our best is going to have to have Tyrese in it. So yeah. I kind of love that. I actually love the idea of having three playmakers even in the offense. I think Nemhard's best role is still kind of that fifth option role, which is why I like him in that spot because in that lineup, he's the fifth offensive option while he's probably, I still think, our best point of attack defender. So I think it complements Tyrese because Tyrese can get the lesser of the two guards, Nemhard gets there. And Nemhard, he struggled to shoot. That's the one thing where if you kind of want a shooter in that spot, you know, he's he played better when he was last year, kind of just in that catch-and-shoot role where he's been more of the playmaker and had more step-backs and pull-ups this year, which has maybe hurt his percentage. But yeah. I kind of like him in that role. It keeps a sh- little bit more shooting on the bench as well. But, again, I'm not super picky. I just I want to see what this team defensively can get to and wonder if – even if Nemhard's a little bit of a lesser on offense, are we able to still? I mean, I still think we put up 125 points a game with him in the starting lineup. So maybe we can hold teams to a little less. But as we've kind of said this whole time, I'm not super picky. That is just where my my heart kind of goes. Yes. And it's hard to. I can't disagree with it. I mean, I've i when when we made the move earlier in the year, and you saw the instant benefit of having that second playmaker, second ball handler, lift on defense at that guard position. It. it, it certainly gives us more versatility on the defensive end of the floor to start games. I did find it interesting. I was talking with a couple of buddies earlier in the week and, you know, having an argument about where Halliburton ranks in the in the league as players overall and defense came up, et cetera. He's still second in the league in real plus minus. His yeah. defense is not his offense is tops in the league yeah. in terms of, you know, no efficiency rating. He's the, he's the most additive player on the offensive end. Um but but his defense is just slightly in the negative and it it still nets out to, you know, the the, the second in the league um overall. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Maybe Rick, you know, tries out a couple different lineups depending upon matchups and what we want to do. Um, you well, know, as you say, just like we said at the beginning of this year, what we start with the first game is probably actually not going to be what we co- go into the playoffs. Correct. With. Just like with this season, we were all like, whoever we start is going to be great, but they're going to have to shake it up because it's just unlikely they guess the five-man unit that has the most cohesion right off the gate. No doubt about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Props to the team for being so – I don't know if the coaching staff's just got them all drinking the Kool-Aid or what, but, yeah. I mean, these guys have – you haven't heard a peep, Not and I listen to every possible thing you can listen to, Pacers media related. 
There's not a peep about disgruntled or this guy not getting time or that it's just guys have come in. They've, you know, Isaiah Jackson's had double doubles and this, that, and the other, and then he's riding the pine for three games. I mean, there's, you know, and, and so we'll see, we'll see how this shakes up. I think it, you know, something, two, two things that I kind of want to talk about as we're talking about lineups here, mm-hmm. we'll get to the trade, but you know, now Siakam, I think we all believe is going to be the starting four. Yep. How do you see that? So let's get to the second unit. Let's say it, it whether it's any combination of those three. Yeah. You're going to have McConnell. You're yeah. going to have a combination of Buddy, Matherin, and and Nemhard. Two of those three will be on the bench. So presumably, you know, are are you kicking McConnell back down to the you know beyond the ten man? And then you've got Obi, Jalen Smith, and Isaiah Jackson. So how do you see? You know, I think I just listed maybe seven guys there, yeah. six, seven guys. How do you see who's going to be the odd man out, I guess, um, you know, when this is all said and done? Because we got rid of Nora, who wasn't getting minutes, and added Siakam, and now we've got a bunch of guys who were getting minutes who presumably aren't. Yeah, so I'm kind of, that's where I kind of, if I'm going off my lineup with Nemhard in, that's where I see TJ, and I still like him running that second unit. So I think he stays there, Buddy Matherin. Then my gut would actually say, I think you go with Jalen at the five, and the four is where I almost think because you're going with Jalen, you put Obi at the four because yeah. I think they complement it just a little bit with more shooting, whereas Jackson lacks that a little bit. You could argue, obviously, this we've gone from no fours last year to now an abundance of fours, although right. I still like Jalen Smith as a five. I don't think he's a four, even though we've tried to make him and he's played well in that position, you know, as he can. But so that's where I kind of think I just, I like Jalen's game, his rim protection, his size, his rebounding. Uh, you know, one thing with this, we still do lack a little physicality, even adding whereas Jalen's probably maybe one of our most physical players in yeah. the paint, just in terms of bodying people rebounding. So I kind of like his energy coming in. And between, you know, Obi and Jackson, it's really tough. They do very different things. Uh, I mean, they both live above the rim a little bit if you wanted to compare that. Yep. But I, I think especially defensively, you know, Jackson is mobile, switch, everything, whereas Obi's running gun, getting out quick. I, yep. I just think Obi shot so well. I want to see that with the second unit. But, again, it, it, I do not relish the coaching. I don't know what they're going to do with this and how they're going to keep everybody happy because they're also, like, other than Jalen, those two are in contract years. Yeah. So that gets a little interesting. So we'll have to see. What do you think? No, it's, man, it's a it's a it's a blessing and a curse, I guess, because we've got, you know, and this is why, you know, not to, to kind of bring this full circle, this is why I love this move so much right now is we have so much depth. We have the best bench in the league. We've said yep. it all year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and I think that's why, you know, when people say, well, does this really vault you into the top three, you know, in the East? I, you know, I don't know. But I, I do know this. Having depth in a playoff series is really critical because matchup yeah. change, schemes change. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm choking over here, but but I, I I don't I don't envy the position of the coaches to try and make these decisions. I think you know, listen, it's an injury-driven league. You're going to see guys sit out. We've already seen that with you know a number of players this year. Tyrese is out right now. Bruce Brown missed time. Neesmith has missed time. Nemhard, you know, Jackson Smith. I mean, they've all had their time. Yep. So I think I think it's a luxury to be able to have guys that you know can go out and that you trust. Um, it's also a luxury to have two first rounders again, still not even in the discussion at yep. this point in mm-hmm. your top 10, 11, 12 man rotation. So I think that's you know. That's what kind of gets lost in all this is everybody's, oh, the draft picks. We're, we're, we haven't even brought up their names because they're not playing right now, uh, you know, Ben ben and Jarris. And I hope I hope that changes. I mean, well, I, I – I texted you this morning and said – or maybe yesterday and said, with this whole rotation thing and the log jam at four, the crazy thing is next year I want Jarris <laughs> – to be getting consistent minutes at the four, so for sure, I it's even harder when it comes next year. I mean, uh, he has to play at some point. We've seen flashes now where it's in the G League and even the limited minutes he's got in the game that he can play. So this question doesn't really get any easier. So well, I, I yeah, no, that's and that's the perfect segue, Ryan. To you've got guys on expiring deals, whether it be Buddy Heald, whether it be Obi Toppin, Isaiah Jackson, I believe is on an expiring deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is the obvious avenue to try and get Jarris on the floor. I mean, we're we are, 
we cannot go into next year, and I know I'm jumping the gun here, but you, but this is what deadline talk is all about, is yep. setting up for the future. You can't go into next year with Siakam Turner, Jackson Smith, Obi Walker. I mean, it's just no. you've got to clearly define what you're doing there. So I'm curious, do you think that we see enough in Walker right now and kind of know what you're getting with an Obi or a Jackson or a Smith do you see those guys as being potential candidates for a trade come the deadline here in a couple weeks? Do we think we can hang on to Buddy Heald? Does he, you know, is he sold enough to come back for, let's be honest, I don't know what the open market's going to, yeah. you know, pay for Buddy, but he's not having a great year in a contract year. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as shooting is concerned, and yeah. that's that's what he's been billed at. So where do you, how do you see this playing out? Are we done? Are we done? Are we going to see another move after the move? I think for sure we make another move now. How big that is just to kind of tweak the roster. Obviously, as we've just been talking about, there's a lot of fours you could potentially move. And it's one of those things where, you know, maybe Obi comes to you and says, hey, I'd love to play in, you know, wherever in Denver, be the backup forward. You can kind of kind of facilitate an easy deal so he can sign there. You know, KP's been very open with our players about trades and talks and trying to get them in spots. We did that with Malcolm Brogdon. When we sent him to Boston, he kind of got to choose or help facilitate where he wanted to go. As far as buddy, I actually think this trade makes it more likely he returns. I just think there's a clear need for shooting and his skill set. And Caitlin Cooper was talking on her podcast too, just how excited she is with the fit of Siakam and buddy just having you know, I was looking through some of Siakam's roster, and he really hasn't had a movement shooter since Danny Green, Fred Van oh, wow. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and to go along, you know, his best years were those years with the movement shooter, Danny Green, and Marcus All at center, a stretch big. So hopefully we can see good things from Siakam. So yeah. I kind of think that there's still a need for that. You know, maybe Shepard's that guy. I know you've told me a lot about that coming in and through and kind of going to take that role as maybe the off-the-bench shooter. His, you know, is he's making nineteen right now, million a year. Does the team give him, you know, ten to fifteen? Does he get more? I don't think so. I don't know how long he wants to sign. I mean, obviously, him and Ty are really close. I know we worked on an extension this summer and couldn't come to a number. Yeah. Maybe it's like you said, he's kind of having a down year. I'm sure Buddy wish he was a free agent last year, uh, just with the numbers For he sure. put up. But. I, I don't think the the league's always going to value shooting. There might be a team who's out there who kind of did what we just did and looks at Buddy and go, we'll throw him $20 million for one year. Like, And does yeah. Buddy want that? I don't know. He's a workhorse. He does not miss games and doesn't get credit for that. His his games, he's missed like six games in his whole career, which is just baffling. So yeah. he can kind of bet on his health going forward. You know, his shooting's not going to decrease his movement, all that with age goes. But he's still not at that age yet either. So I think this actually, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if we ship buddy at the, at the trade deadline, but I think this makes it even less likely that he moves now. I hope you're right. Cause I'm in agreement with you hundred percent. I think that this only helps buddy. I, I think again, we we've talked about the fit with Siakam, um, you know, and obviously the relationship with Halliburton, the shooting, we, we need a knockdown shooter. And, you know, if you look at, if you look at the the free agent class for next year, um, I I don't know. I I I've got it in front of me right now. I mean, you've got LeBron and Paul George leading the you know in terms of their salaries are at the top of the list, but they both yeah. have player options. That's those aren't realistic. Mm-hmm. Tobias Harris, James Harden, Drew Holiday, Gordon Hayward. I mean, I, I I'm sorry, I'm not signing up for Gordon Hayward. I I, I know he's a hometown yeah. guy. He's a little bit more rangy, but the guy's had major injury and just hasn't been the same. DeMar DeRozan, Mike Conley, Lonzo Ball. I mean, these are these are the names at the top of the list. It's not anybody that you're really looking at and saying, "Okay, this is this is somebody I want to sign up for." So, if you if you let Buddy walk, and that's really, you know, I, I don't know. That's that's a tough I don't know if Shepard's ready for that. I like Shepard from what I've seen in flashes, but yeah. is he ready to step into that role? I mean, we're this is somebody we're talking about that, you know, is is a starter for us. It could be, you know, potentially through the balance of the year, depending on how the lineup goes. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see us get something done there. Now, if we move him <clears throat> at the deadline, what are you moving him for? Because what you need is what he brings. That's what I, that's exactly right. So that's what it always comes back to for me is it's like, okay, we've addressed the four. We have a log jam of bigs. We got the point guard of the future. 
uh, we need a shooter. And that's what you have. So it seems like it's almost an exercise in futility. It's like, you know, find a number that works, I guess, is where I'm getting to. It's, it, you know, I, I don't see anything on the free agent market that has me super excited. Maybe there's somebody out there that, you know, you can trade for that I'm not thinking of that, yeah. you know, it's you know, the, the disgruntled player or what have you. But Buddy's, buddy's durable. Okay, that's one. And shooters can shoot. I mean, he's he's and he's a volume shooter, which I think some people will be like, oh, this guy shoots thirty eight percent from deep. You know, even I'll talk about one player we like, Darren Collison, used to have the best three point percentage in the game, but he's taking like one and a half. A yes, game. right, I mean, one point eight a game. Buddy is, you know, one of my favorite bets is always just buddy betting buddy threes because at the very least, you know he's going to put them up. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's a talent because of how well he moves without the ball. And obviously he's got a lot of chemistry with Tyrese. So it's one of those things, unless somebody's willing to give up a younger shooter on a longer deal, I don't I don't see, you know, why you trade him for a second rounder, a couple second rounders, or a Jordan Nuara. You know, I, I just don't yeah. see that package out there. And, and I don't think... KP wants to do that. I think Buddy likes it here. I mean, if you hear about him, how he talks about Sacramento compared to here, he loves it. The only again, I, and I said this earlier, it, it's a little sticky because it sounds like we tried to extend him, couldn't. But now that we know where our money's going to be, maybe you can facilitate a little better because you didn't want to be like, hey, we can't give you twenty. We don't know who we're going to have from right. you know February or June. And, and and you know what? I, I'll say this too, Buddy. Buddy's mindset may have shifted slightly. I mean, this is a guy who's pe- played. You know, for the Pelicans and the and the Kings, largely you know, he's been in the league for what t- eight, nine, ten years. I don't know what it is now. Yeah. Played for largely irrelevant teams, and now he's getting the, uh, his really his first taste of meaningful basketball. Yeah. And and if the and if the season goes how we think it's going to go, and I kind of want to finish on that is you know where do we go from here, and what does that look like? Where's the expectation and and all that? Um, but he's going to get a chance to play in the playoffs more than likely. Um, maybe he says, you know what. I I don't want to say it's a hometown discount or whatever, but but maybe that number looks a little different. He hasn't had a banner year, um, so it's not like he's you know. But he's going to be coveted. Yeah. Shooting is always going to be coveted, and shooting lasts longer than you know athleticism, a la yeah. Obi Toppin, whatever. So we'll see how that all plays out. I'm with you. I hope we keep him. I, he's what we need. I'm excited to see him in this lineup. Um, but but we could make another deal. I I don't. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we would flip an Obi or an Isaiah Jackson for some sort of asset, an early yeah. second round pick or a couple of picks and considerations or whatever. Pritchard's shown, uh, you know, a, a propensity to do that, something like that, to to acquire assets on guys that, you know, you probably have to think Obi's going to go somewhere else this offseason yeah. now that we've got Siakam on board. That's just a guess on my part. But mm. let's why don't we wrap with this and and I think this is kind of, you know, the the obvious but maybe often overlooked question, what does this mean for the rest of the year? Yeah. Where where does this put us for for the balance of the year? How does this change our expectation of what this team should be, could be, can be? Um, I'm just curious your thoughts as we sit here on on January 18th, a couple weeks before All-Star break. Yeah, so I'll kind of comment. You've heard a lot of, I don't know if you've listened to a lot of the mainstream TV guys who say, well, that doesn't put you in the top three. I listened to all of it. Yeah. Stephen A. Stephen A. Yeah. Yeah. They all say Austin it. Rivers. Yeah, it was terrible. And they're saying, so why'd you make this deal? So first, I'd just like to say one thing on that, because that's a ridiculous take. This isn't our all-in move. You know, you hear the three firsts, and you think, wow, we two first next year and then one later. You know, it's not like the Suns who traded Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and every draft pick they have. So we can still make moves. This wasn't the final, like, here we go, all the chips are on the table. So I don't know why all NBA guys seem to think like that. We're just trying to boost ourselves up because Tyrese is ahead of schedule. Yeah. So I think it's clear there's still a top three in the East. I agree with most people when they say that. The Celtics, the Bucks, and the Sixers. Yep. I think they are above everybody else. Each of them have MVP candidates. Not that we don't, but... They've got guys who have proven it, played Established. it. Established, yeah. yeah. I think then, one tier below, I like to throw the Heat still in there. Now, we can talk. We'll probably battle with them record-wise. They are still the scariest team. They just win games in the playoffs. Great coaching, yeah. great chemistry. Jimmy they, turns yeah. into a new level. So, I think... Bam is always challenging, yeah. Yeah, so we kind of find ourselves in that Cavaliers, Knicks, uh, you know, Magic. Tier, magic tier. And I think the expectation is... And like I said, with the Heat, they don't usually have the best regular season record. I mean, 
to me, if I'm looking, I started the season saying, let's try to make the playoffs. That would be a win. If we can get in, make it a competitive series against one of the top teams in the East. Now I'm kind of thinking, do we try to get in that 4-5 spot? Can we take out a Knicks team, a Cavs team, a Magic team, if they can sneak in there with us or a Heat team? Right. I think it's reasonable to say right now, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a failure if we don't win a playoff series, <laughs> but it is now... It's on the board for sure. Yeah. You're, Rick is walking in saying we're winning games, and then if we draw the Bucks or something crazy in the second round, why can't we take them? Yeah. I mean, we've seen us play them well. So, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I I I agree 100. percent The top three in the East are still the top three in the East. Tatum and Brown, they've got so much talent around them in Boston. You know, they go six or seven deep with guys that, um, you you know. Have have proven it on big stages. Let's say they're in the Eastern Conference Finals every year, and then made the finals a couple times. You know, but here's where I, I guess you know. Again, we've split the games with Boston so far this year. We're four and one against Milwaukee. I think we've split with Philadelphia, and we've yeah. probably got another two on the back half of the calendar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, those are going to be fun benchmark games. Yep. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think you know so much of playoff basketball comes down to matchups. I'm not really concerned with seeding, but I think Pascal's versatility allows us to match up better with all three of those teams. Yep. Right out of the gate, Tatum, Brown, Giannis, you know, Maxi. It doesn't matter who Tobias it is. Tobias Harris. Yeah, Tobias Harris. Exactly right. Um, there's a lot to like there. I, I guess if I had to put a, a clear line of demarcation if you will we should be a top six seed yep. i don't want to be in the play-in yep. i don't want i, I don't yep. want to be in a play-in we've made a win now move yep. and to me that means you're a top six team the rest of the seeding however it plays out matchup wise you know listen we're, we're Miami's got championship pedigree. They think I think they have the best coach in the NBA yep. in Eric Spolstra, in my opinion. And I love Rick Carlisle. That's not a shot at Rick. I think no, Rick's no, right no. up there. But but Spolstra's been able to do it, you know, with a wide variety of different players and and playing styles. Um, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks made a win now move, and we didn't get to touch on OG, and we can if you want to. But but they made made a win now move. I, I still. I still like our our level of talent better than New yep. York. Uh, I, I think that would be the most fun if we could match up in a first round four or five matchup with them. That would be yeah awesome. I I, I would be all in on that. Um, both because I think we can beat them, and because I think it would be a, yeah. I think stylistically it'd be a lot of fun to watch those two teams compete. Um, but yeah, I think we got to make a top six seed. I think a playoff win is very much in our. Um, you know, in the realm of possibility. And, and you know, listen, I don't want to – I'm not trying to overblow things, but no. we've played meaningful games. This team has shown we beat Boston in the in-season tournament. We beat Milwaukee in the in-season tournament. We beat Philadelphia in the in-season tournament. We turned around on a, you know, in a two-game series after – Giannis shenanigans with a game ball bullshit, all that. We turn around and beat them twice, you know, on their floor yeah. and ours in games that were not really close. Um, so I get it. Milwaukee and 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 Boston and Philly on paper are better than us, but the East is fun right now. Yeah. There's a lot of different teams. I think the Magic are still a bad matchup for us. Oh, I yeah. would I would not want to play them, particularly nope. if it was a if we did land in a seven, eight, nine, ten seed and we had to play them one game. You know, uh, I, yeah. I I don't like that at all um, because it's matchup driven. But but this is a team that now you said it already. This was not the all-in move. This is a step in the right direction with a guy that's going to turn 30 here in the spring. And again, if you look at guys like PG, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, they're 32, 33, 34 years old. Pascal Siakam has good basketball left in him. And those guys are playing well. Look at the Clippers. Him and Kawhi, who have gone through hell and back with injuries, are now maybe the best team in the West, at least. Uh I mean, actively playing. Now, I'd still take Denver. But you know what I'm saying. They're they're as hot as anybody. And and I think, you know, I I know LeBron's a freak, but the guy's damn near 40 years old. And I think the way that you know, science and medicine and personal training and all the physio and strength training that these guys do, I am not worried about his age. The yeah. The reality is Tyrese Halliburton is having a historic season right now. Yep. Nothing is guaranteed in the future. So you might as well try and get us one step closer. It's not all in, but it is a step closer to getting into that top 
four conversation, let's call it, in the East. Because from there, then it's just about what happens on the court. I don't yep. really care about the seeding. It's all about matchups. It's about coaching. And and I'd put Carlisle up against any of those teams. You know, like I said, I think Spolstra may be the best coach in the conference. But aside from that, I, I, I nobody else on those guidelines scares me. Um, so I. I I guess one last little anecdote here, because this is always going to be viewed, I think, through the lens of, particularly in Indiana, because of the Indiana ties, the OG Ananobi trade, yeah. right? Because this was these two guys, Siakam and Ananobi, were talked about next to each other as guys that we could get the 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 four. Oh, Ananobi's more of the three and D, uh, where where Siakam's more of the the playmaking four, you know, if you will, that that still has yeah. high level defense. I, just point blank. Are you glad we have Siakam? Would you rather have this been a trade for OG Ananobi? I do envy where I kind of texted you and said, I think Siakam has about eight out of the 10 things I wanted out of a wing. Yeah. I think one thing that we still lack as a team is that physicality. I talked about Neesmith kind of has it, where yeah. that is OG's thing. He is in your grill. He's on you. He's strong. I remember one game we were back out probably five years ago where he was guarding Domas in the paint and was yep. holding his own very much. Domas was frustrated. So I don't think Pascal totally brings that, which I still think if you look at like Miles and Siakam, it's still kind of a long, maybe little frail group that can kind of get pushed around by some of those specifically larger teams. Yeah, But it, that's getting nitpicky. Um, everything else, I think think Siakam fits better. I mean, yeah. truly, just offensively playmaking, rebounding, pushing the pace, transition, it all points to Siakam. It really, it, like you said, it's hard to mold a player, I mean, without just picking everything, just bring LeBron James in. I mean, and it fit this well. So, no, I am, you know, there was a little rumor Woj said that we were actually trying to go after both of them, which I, I saw that. I yeah. believe uh, the way they did the trade getting quickly and um, R.J. Barrett, we were have to include Benny or Nemhard or Jairus to make that. And I think that was probably why it would have been fun to have both of them. One for sure. Siakam was the way to go. And I do think Neesmith and OG OG's probably a little better right now, but Neesmith is, is the same mold, just probably a little shorter that yeah. OG plays. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you hundred percent. I, I think we, there's a little bit of the physicality element that we don't have, but sometimes it just comes down to who's the better basketball player. And yep. I don't think there's a question Siakam's a better player than OG. Yep. And and yes, it doesn't necessarily address that that need of ours, but it addresses a hell of a lot of others. And I think he's a better player. Um and and you know, we'll see. Well, you know, he's I think he wants to be here more. I think OG quietly wanted to be in a big market. It sounded like in New York was a good fit for him, and he's likely to resign there just as it sounds like Siakam is for us. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. Both of them on expiring deals, and you know, the two teams that the Knicks and the Pacers that made trades without really guarantees. Yep. Um, but but I think the I think the fits are right and and you know we'll see where it goes. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. Um, I, it sounds like he came to Indy today to probably do yep. a physical and, and all of that and is on the plane to Portland. Will not play tonight, I don't think. No, but sound like but but may get his first bit of action. Uh, or excuse me, I keep saying Portland. Where the hell are we tonight? Portland. We are in Sacramento Sa- tonight. Then we go to Portland on tomorrow night. We're on a back to back. Okay, so. So they said he's going to meet the team in Portland tonight, which means the team's probably flying to Portland after the game, and yeah. he'll meet them there. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully we get to see some run in Portland. And if not— um, And Tyrese is listed as questionable. He will not play, but I saw he's questionable. So hopefully around the corner he'll be back. Yeah. I would love it if Tyrese was back for Tuesday's game, which yeah. I think is our first game back in Banker's life, to have Pascal you know, make his debut and Tyrese yeah. on the floor would be pretty cool. So— mm-hmm. um, We'll bring this in for the landing. Anything else you Let got? Let me actually, yeah, yeah, I've got three things I wanted, and there's been a lot of talk, and some people love to talk winners and losers of trades. I'm not going to talk about the actual assets per se. Yeah. I just wanted to bring up three losers, and first I want to say is the Raptors, and not for the deals they made here, because I actually think they got a decent haul back for an expiring deal, a guy who wanted to leave, kind yeah. of picking a spot. Uh the Raptors did what I think a lot of teams fall trapped to and were too patient with their players. If you look back after Kawhi left, they were second in the East after with Nick Nurse, who's one of my favorite coaches. Yeah, Great, keep it running. But they continually fell off. And now if you look, they had Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam. 
and they waited too long on all of them. Fred, they just let walk, which yep. the Houston threw more money than they expected. That kind of sucks, but you got nothing from him. And then you waited till the very end with OG and Siakam. If you make these deals a year, two years ago, you are getting massive hauls back. Yep. Way more than what they just got offered. So it's kind of one of those more warnings where you look, and I talk a lot of Raptors fans, I think, are reiterating this, that they kind of held too long. And the truth is their rebuild's going to be pretty flying fast, kind of like ours with Scotty and Quickly and RJ. They've got a lot of talent already yeah. in the building. So I don't hate what they did. I just think they didn't quite strike when the iron was hot. It's a That is that is a really good point and not one that I had thought about, but you're 100% right. Sometimes you hold the cards too long, and, and they were running out of time. We almost did that, truthfully. Yeah. We were holding on to our cards. I mean, you can say with Brogdon, we even did. But well, yeah. and yeah, bro, I yeah. can't stand Brogdon. <laughs> that's that's you're so right, though. I mean, it's and it's it's a it's a fickle thing, but you know the clock is running out, and and I don't know what other deals were out there. Yeah. Um, you know, particularly for OG, and I'm sure we were. Sure, we threw our hat in the ring, uh, you know, before the Knicks executed that trade. But yep. but you're 100 percent right. It's it does not pay. The, the the first movers are the ones that typically win in the NBA, uh, and that's why I love this deal because we moved on something. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, exactly. see, if if we wait, he can go anywhere he wants in free agency. And and by the way, he still can. But now you've got you know three, four months to convince him why he should stay here. And I think it sounds like all signs yeah. are pointing to that he will. So mm-hmm. um, I know you said you had a couple other two things. Two more. Yeah. So number two, and this one I haven't heard anyone talk about, and I kind of think it's very underrated. And it's, I think the Kings are massive losers in this. Okay. And why? So about a month or maybe not a couple weeks ago, reports were Kings were in the Siakam trade rumors. They were trying to trade for Siakam and I think if you look at the Kings, Kings have more picks than us. Kings have a lot of young talent they could have thrown at them. I actually would guess, and this is kind of speculation, yeah. the Kings likely would have spent more to get Siakam. But Siakam came out and said he would not likely re-sign a long-term deal with Sacramento. So if you look at it kind of from a hindsight, the Tyrese trade might have cost them Siakam too <laughs> because it's clear Siakam wants to play with Tyrese. Yeah. So they lost out because you can't trade for him, just as we've said, and then not re-sign him. You're giving up assets for nothing. Yeah. So it's kind of this double-edged sword where if you are, and I know Kings fans are happy, they the 16-year drought, all that, I don't care what anybody says, we fleece the trade, even if they're good. If you put Tyrese on the market right now, he gets five first-round picks. Every young talent player you have, (laughs) the teams would send the fucking house for him. If you put Domas on the trade block, you'll get stuff for him. You'll get, like, an OG in picks. But, I mean, there is a huge difference. So, Kings fans, I I wish you the best. We do. I mean, we're playing tonight, so I hope you lose. But, But I just thought about that, and it came to me. I was like, oh, my God. If that's true, and they were trying to get Siakam, in theory, if they had Tyrese, I wonder if he would have gone. And now you look and you're like, oh, my God, that's a lot to miss out on. Oh, so. it, it's <laughs> it's a ton to miss out on. And the interesting thing is I was just looking at this two nights ago, so maybe this has changed. But the betting odds for the NBA, NBA MVP, mm-hmm. Tyrese and De'Aaron Fox were at the same. I think they were tied for seventh or eighth or something like that in the betting odds. De'Aaron Fox is having a phenomenal year. I'm not taking yep. anything away from him. But – Tyrese is is just he's ascended to a different level yeah. than De'Aaron Fox, and yep. I think that's what that's at the heart of what you're talking about here. Is Siakam does not view De'Aaron Fox as talented as he is, as talented as Domas is. That's not a destination where mm-hmm. you're not talking about guys wanting to go to Sacramento so they can play with Fox, correct? Right, and and that is the Tyrese Halliburton effect that yeah. I don't think anybody. Most notably, the Kings realized nope. when this trade happened a couple of years ago, nobody saw this coming. And that's why now is such a good time because it's happening right now. Again, yeah. there's nothing like today, Mm-mm. right? There's, there's, you can plan and five years and then there's nothing like today. And, and that's why I love this trade. So, yep. last point. What last is point. And this one, I will preface it saying, if you did not like the way Bruce Brown played for us and critiqued his play on the court this year, power to you. I can agree there were weaknesses. He wasn't as strong on defense at certain points, I agreed. Not as good a shooter or didn't have the shooting year we might want it. But to all the Indiana fans who read Bruce Brown's contract over the offseason and freaked out, 
you need to take a step back and learn how these contracts work because this is why we signed a deal like this. So you can move him players it it makes salary work it's one of those things that i don't think a lot of fans truly understand how the cap space works and if we didn't sign a player to a certain number we would have been below a cap floor not going to get into all that i really only bring that up because we'll be hearing from these people again once we sign siakam to a massive well, deal it's i thought about that the other night if we don't sign bruce to that deal we can't do this no we don't have the ability no. <laughs> to to make this trade happen. We were close to probably having the only other way we would have had to make it happen was throwing in more pieces. Oh, putting it in to been like more, miles or right. I mean, to make contracts work. I just it's it's hard to explain over this and Tony East is the best with cap space, especially with he's the He's got Pacers. his spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. He's got his his numbers. So that's always great. But yeah, it I just don't think put a lot of fans they just read the headline it's like, "Oh my god, 20 million where it's like well, team option, we can trade them, you know. Team option, yeah. we can trade them, and we we needed to spend the money anyways. Well, let's just so, say, we were going to have to spend that money somewhere. So people yeah. were like, we could have spent it better. I was like, who was out there last year in the free agent class? Bruce was the best. No, I mean, it, it, that was it, realistic. And you know what's interesting? The, the only thing about the Bruce piece that could, I don't want to say come back to haunt us, is a little bit, you know, the Raptors are not clear on whether they're going to keep him. They may flip him. I've heard rumors about the Knicks having interest, yep. you know, which is just an interesting storyline as we talk about the playoffs and how different scenarios could go. I, I'm sure, you know, not that Bruce has probably any ill will against us. We paid him $22 million this year. He, listen, there's a reason he didn't suit back up for the Nuggets, yep. right? He got paid. And, he and wanted he, his money. He wanted to get paid and good for him. But I'm sure that would be an interesting you know, matchup to get him back potentially in a playoff or some meaningful games at yep. the end of the year against New York. I'm not sure when they're on the schedule again, but I know we've got to play them again. So all, I, I, it's a point well said, and, and the general fan doesn't understand that at all. They're not looking at it from that and that's perspective. Fine. Look, it's not Indiana fans per se. They all do it. Well, Every fan overreacts. And here's the thing. In the modern NBA, $22 million? Eh, I mean, Not that you know, much. Paul George has got a player option for $48 million next year that he probably will turn down Correct. to try and sign for more money in his age 33, 34 years. So, Jalen Brown contract this year that he signed in the offseason will end at $60 million yeah. per year. So $22 million is, yeah, it's not that much. And when we pay Siakam next year, whatever the hell we're going to pay him, yeah. you know, it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but the cap's only getting larger. You're going to yep. have to pay these guys if you want talent to, to particularly. I said it before. You're not getting any anybody taking a discount to come to Indiana. Nope. So nope. get ready to write the check, and hopefully that comes with some wins. And it's going to be fun to see how this thing plays out for the next couple of weeks and months uh, of this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's Pacer basketball is fun. To yeah. say the least. I think we're one of the most exciting. I mean, they said I'll give the I will give the national guys credit on this. They said league pass, if you're not watching yeah. the Pacers, if they're not in your top five league pass watch, you're missing the boat. And yeah. so they at least will recognize that. I don't and I know I'm going off here, but I don't think they realize some of the changes we've made on defense in the last month. I yeah. think they look at the aggregate which still shows us having one of the worst defenses, but we've had like the 16th best rating in the last six weeks or something like that. You know, we're going to get better on that end of the floor. I'm almost convinced of that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, uh, a lot of fun. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing Siakam here in the next couple of games and, uh, come back at you with something here in the near future. Yep. Love it. Awesome. Signing off. See you.